Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 28. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. In this episode, Eric gives a fresh perspective on the popular topics of mindfulness and what athletes call getting into the zone, or flow state. Eric then discusses ways in which you can reach even higher, more enlightened states of awareness. Enjoy! So we were talking before about mindfulness, and you mentioned the zone. That's when you go into this state where you basically forget about what you're doing. And then I asked you about the mindfulness. That's a really big thing right now. Everybody's talking about being the moment. So what do you think about that? Well, I I think like most things that I teach, I think there is a realistic uh, uh, understanding of it. And then I think there's an unrealistic that most people can't attain. And it becomes something that they stop applying themselves to. So first of all, people need to understand is, is what is mindfulness or being in the moment. And being in the moment is to, to in a sense, you hear words like to be present, to be in the moment, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's to say like the room we're in. It's to be aware of how the sound is being absorbed from the sound room. It feels different. The, the presence of the moment, meaning, uh, you know, who's here, what are people wearing, what is your mood? It's, it's like taking notes or being aware instead of just operating. You know, how, is your, how does your hair look as silly as that sounds? What is your body posture? How do you feel and look at this moment while you're talking to me? Are you just, just there and I'm not really being present about your, your presence? Um, it's, it's to say that we're so dialed out mentally with, with mental things like, you know, what are our emails? What do we have to do today? Uh, we're constantly entertained by TV and commercials. Our mind is trained to kind of just wander in thought while we're physically here and kind of talking. It's like we're always multitasking mentally. And to be present means that you, you're not multitasking anything. you you've literally your phone is shut off mentally, your, your, your computer shut off mentally in your head. So think of all those thoughts that occur to you as being other distractors or other processes, just like how we look at a, a laptop or a phone or something. And if you shut that all off and you go into nature, there's this part of like, ah, you don't know what to do to with yourself. And then after you go through that purge, you really start to be, have this laser-like focus, this sense of environment and, and the weather and the sunshine and the animals and the insects and and the, the sound of dirt when you walk on it and this harmony that starts to go through you that you you are in the moment finally it's to say that in our day-to-day life as much as we think we're talking to somebody we're not we're we're, we're probably giving them maybe every 30 seconds they're really getting spanned over a 30 second period maybe two seconds every five or ten seconds that you're checking in um, and then your, your mind is wandering. So it's a discipline to be able to, to be mindful, 
to to stay in the environment to think about what's going on is to say like you know stop and smell the, the the flowers well you stop you smell the flowers and then a few moments later you've kind of moved on it's just like some mental note it's almost like to say that you have to revel in the flowers you have to roll in them you have to gather them you have to feel the the stem and the texture and and look at the detail of the, the that's being more in that moment it is the detail of the moment that you're in the moment where you're sitting the moment of what you're doing the moment of the people who are present with you rather than letting your mind be partially dispersed or or partially given to to whatever you're doing with that person mm -hmm. and i think that when people talk about mindfulness or being in the moment they expect people or people assume that they're supposed to always be mentally present and if they cannot do this for long periods of times that they've failed and i think there's this this fail kind of uh effect in the the new age and spiritual communities that is unsaid people look at spiritual masters and they assume these people are always in these states and that that's what they have to achieve and they never achieve it so they assume they can never be at that that level of consciousness and i think it's a fallacy it's it's an untruth and it's a spiritual misconception so to be in the moment is something you could choose to do and have a greater length of doing it or good, but whether you are able to do it for 30 seconds or 30 minutes, that, that is a good thing. It's better to have moments of it than to, to try to have great lengths because it's like physically working out, you get, you get tired. Um, as you build your, your stamina up for that, then you have greater and greater lengths of being in the moment. Okay, and then how would that that's, in my opinion, mm -hmm. so completely opposed to being in the zone because being in the zone is basically... It's just the opposite. Exactly. That's, that's, that's a very interesting point. Being in the zone is when athletes talk about when they're jogging, you know, there's this part of you that's mentally aware of your aches and pains and your breathing and pushing yourself. And being in the zone is this part that all of a sudden mentally your body starts to automate. You're, you're not really feeling or thinking or, or that awareness isn't there anymore. It's almost like you're this person riding along on a vehicle and you're just the passenger inside this vehicle that's moving and you're not aware of the amount of exhaustion or energy that's going into to moving you. And so ideally, of course, who wouldn't want to be in the zone because you're, you're able to do perhaps greater lengths of things without that, that part of you that's battling to kind of go that little extra distance. The, the zone is something that is talked about in almost all schools of, of activities or athletics, uh, you know, whether it be joggers or bicyclists or, or whatever you want. Um, it's a, a state of mind and, and the best people are able to actually achieve that, that become your gold medalists and, and such. They're, they're able to make their bodies go a certain way and they're able to, to distract their mind away from it. In meditation, most people attempt to do this while they're sitting and their body's not actively doing anything. So you can imagine how much more challenging it is to physically be doing something where your body's demanding your attention even more so and mentally you're trying to, to remove yourself from it. Um, so being in the moment and being present and being in the zone are kind of two different things. But then there's a third thing, which I, I always do this to people, is to say that being mindful of being in the zone puts you in the zone. So 
if you can learn to be mindful and present with concentrating your mind for great lengths of time, like 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 30 minutes, okay, in a moment of being with other people or doing whatever you're doing or sitting in a park or something before your mind wanders, okay, it's to say that you want to have this sense of being in the zone, being detached. So you focus all of your mental skills on being in that state of mind. So you, you, this is like meditation. It's, it's a state of serenity, peace, detachment. And, you know, you're, that's what you're doing. So instead of focusing on uh, a person and, and being aware of what they're saying and their body movement and their personality and their hair and just the environment, the weather, the just, just present, is to say that you become present on what is in your mind a, a detachment, a place of inner peace and harmony and, and not focused at all on your body, that becomes the distractive mental place. You're more focused on the detached parts and you make that your absolute moment, like nothing else should, should, should distract you. Mm, okay, would you say that that's being on the third state, state of consciousness where on the first one you're mindful, mm -hmm. the second one you're in the zone, and the third one you're observing Well, we, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to answer that question, but of course I will. But, I, you know, one of the things that we wanted to focus on is for new people. When we start talking third state of mind, I think that's a leap from people who don't even understand what you mean by that. What is the third state of mind? Now, that's something new completely that they may not have heard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there we refer to different states of mind, and yes, the third state of mind is a mind of detachment, but also of clarity. Um, you know, you can break it down any way you really want to. It's just a way to orientate how you want to approach things. First state could be just casual and just talking to other people, but your mind's wandering, you're mentally multitasking and have different thoughts going through. Then there's another part where you're you're present, but you're not present and you're moving into a more present state of mind. So that could be the second state where you're focusing at where you are, what you're doing, who you're with, what's happening at that moment and staying with it without letting your mind wander. And the third state of, of mind would be considered maybe in this case being in the zone where you are now focusing not just being in the room with a person or where you are, you're, you're now not wanting to even do that. You're, you're entering a silent room where there's nothing there. And it's like this, this place where it's just absolute quiet, nothing's going on, yada, yada. And, you know, let me just point out that it's very important for beginners to have practical um, ideas of, of what these things mean. What does it mean to, to have a non-thought or be in the zone for someone who may not have experienced that or may not be in an athletic level where they've experienced that? And my answer would be to other people, they may they to realize that sometimes when you're driving a car, you go into the zone and you're not really thinking. You can't even remember what you were thinking about. You just end up wherever it was you were going, and it could be a half hour later or an hour later, and you're like, oh my God, like you just come to because you're there. That in a sense is almost being in the zone. Um, it's just another kind. There's no, there's not just one specific zone or one specific mindfulness. It's it's flexible, and so never think that if it doesn't fit the bill 100% that you didn't attain it. Yes, it's just it's just, just variables to what level you went into it and and how you how it was applied. So that would be a very good example. So imagine out jogging and you you got the exhaustion of your body and you're pushing yourself and you were to enter the zone and you just ended up five miles down the road and you're like, oh my God, that was a wonderful, you, you, it just kind of, you, you, you're happy that you did the distance, but you were not engulfed in, the, in how much work it was to do it. Okay, 
So since you mentioned, let's go back yeah. to the beginners. How would they try to just start practicing mindfulness and being the zone? And which one would you recommend? Well, you know, everybody has a different level that they're coming at things with. So it's very hard to say there's never one shoe fits all, but that's what we, we try to do. You know what I'm saying? We try to give them a, a slipper to start in so that it has lots of sizes. It can be practical and people can say, okay, I'm, I'm getting somewheres with this. Like I, now I'm ready to, to gravitate to something a little bit more complex and stuff because I, I feel like, wow, I, I've experienced this for the first time and it's real. So, you know, what, what I would say to that is, is that the, and this it seems maybe ridiculous to some people, or, or it's like pointing out the obvious, but sometimes when you point out the obvious, it's completely unobvious. That's the, the irony of it, that you have to, to take moments of just focusing being in the moment. In other words, just admire stuff, like you're admiring light, uh, uh, art or music where you, 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 you know, most people listen to music but they don't listen to the lyrics. They don't even know fully what the song's about. They, they, that is like going through life without being aware. You're part of it, but you're not really understanding what is really happening or what's being said. I mean, there are songs that you might be dancing to and loving and you're singing the, the key moments of, of whatever the, the hook is, as they call it, but the story could be something tragic or awful or something that you would not want to sing or repeat or take joy in. And so that's the disconnect. So, so when you focus on music and you listen to all the words and the lyrics and you, you really try to focus on what are they talking about without letting your mind wander, you're actually developing a skill. You're developing a skill to make your mind more disciplined and staying on one thing rather than letting your mind get distracted by whatever's happening in the next room or a text coming in or whatever. You're like, no, I've got to focus on this. That simple thing that you might take for granted or everybody assumes they can do, okay, until you try it, even if it's a song you don't really think you're going to get into, that's the hard part, that you can actually understand what that, that was about. You, you can translate that into other things. Wax on, wax off. It doesn't mean you're just polishing a car anymore. You can literally use it to do something else to maybe protect yourself or to, to apply in a different way. So it's the simple things that, that we don't realize or we don't think about that, that I think most people should start to do. Um, trying to be present listening to, to music on the radio while you're driving and trying to understand what's being said. Looking at a piece of art and saying, did I look at it? Did you, did you recognize the color of the balloons in the picture? Did you, did you realize what the person was wearing? Did they even have dress shoes on, although they were dressed from top to bottom, but they were, they were wearing sandals? You know, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. It's these, ah, you're training yourself to have a higher level of awareness by doing the simple things and then you translate that into bigger things into life, into a moment when you're doing business with someone or, or memorizing, you know, people's names and what's going on. It's, it's, it's that those things don't always really present themselves in everyday life as often to get very good at it. But you, you can do other things that will translate to that moment and prepare you to be in the moment. Um, as far as, you know, detaching yourself and, and, and stuff like being in the zone, it's a little bit trickier. To be in the zone, you, you almost have to be self-aware. And that means most people can say, oh, I, I feel really relaxed. 
but they don't really ponder on it that much. They just do stuff that that what I call is is basically body worship. Body worship are the people who lay out in the sun and want to be massaged and want to have you know uh, energy stuff to done to them and all this other stuff. That's great, but where is your your mind? It's like checking out, but it's feeling the pleasures of the body. What it's what it's making them feel. They they see their themselves in a way in my opinion much connected to their physical body and not that that's bad and there's a direct connection but there's another level of self-awareness and that self-awareness says where is my mind what am i doing is it is it really not thinking about much or am i thinking about stuff and then checking in with my body relaxing so what i should be doing is not checking in with stuff and the fact that you can catch yourself doing that or become aware of it strengthens you to not do it anymore so now, not only do you have a body surrender with your muscles, but you have a mental surrender, a truer mental surrender. And in so doing, you're now aware of that, that peaceful and quiet place that you're, you're visiting. You're like, okay, there's, there's nothing going on here and it's, it's good. And there's a feeling, there's a vibration, there's a, there's a sense that's in your body, in your chest, I often say, that you get familiar with. And now that you're you're not just having it oriented to to being massaged or oriented it to having a tea and sitting down and relaxing, you're 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 kind of feeling what you're feeling. Your your music, the lyrics to the music is your emotions that that you're feeling that are that you're saying, oh, this feels good. What specifically can you break it down? Can you can you immerse yourself? Can you create that place now that is familiar at will synthetically in your in your mind and produce it for your consciousness in your body without having the cup of tea or having the massage? That starts to go into meditation. So that's the kind of stuff that you want to do. Being self-aware is to mentally check in with yourself. It's mentally to see what, what you're thinking. What did you think in the last few minutes? How did it tense up your body? How did it relax you? Okay, and getting familiar with those things and like mental markers, that is empowerment also. So those are the, the simple things that I suggest to anybody. Most people go through life never self-reflecting. They go to work, they sit down, they do their routine, they check their email, they check the news, they, they do some of their work, they deal with emails or problems or talk to people, but they're never really self-aware of the fact that that's what they're doing. And if they do, it's a 10 second thought and then they move back into to automating the machine state. So the more time that you spend self-observing yourself and finding the pockets of the good stuff, it, that is the empowerment because then you can start to go to the good stuff more often. Does that help at all? Yes, yeah, absolutely it does. Um, I'm not sure if you were to say that, that meditation would be where to start, but at the same time, meditation as everybody else uh, listens about knows about right. is the purpose of it is basically sit down and try to relax let me That's... let me just cut you off on that okay mm -hmm. all meditations are not created equal okay and it's not to say that one is better than the other it's to say that different meditations in some ways are meant for different results Exactly. That's what I wanted. I wanted to ask. Okay. Most meditations that we hear about, mm -hmm. the purpose of it is to get relaxation from. Yep. It. What would you say that the meditation that you teach mm -hmm. is? What is the purpose? Like, what do you get from it? Well, let's just talk, but first about relaxation. 
okay? Most people who do meditation need to relax. They got too much stress in their life, whether it's having a family and raising it or work pressure or relationship problems or, you know, whatever it may be, you do need that time out to let the mind recuperate, okay? And, and so you need a go-to system to do that. And that's why meditation, look, just learning to relax and control your breathing is powerful stuff. People may not realize it, they don't think it, but believe me, it's powerful when you understand the simple basics of breathing and slowing it down consciously. The mind follows, just like dropping from fifth gear in a car right down to first. It just, it's just, it's amazing, okay? Without doing any other fango, neat stuff with meditation. Now, my, my problem with meditations that teach this is that I think that there should be more. If you are just relaxing, then you should be able to say, okay, then my meditation has one gear like a car and it's first gear and that's all I do is I, I meditate. Wonderful. If that's all you want and that's all you strive for and that's what's necessary, wonderful. We, we deliver that. That's the first part. We need to put you in first gear with how I meditate versus other meditations. They'll put you in first gear, but there's nowhere else to go. I have many gears you can go into, but you can stay at any speed you want. That's probably the simplest I've ever explained it, I think. So if you want to just relax, then you just focus on the very beginning steps of what we teach in the meditation. At some point, the curious mind is going to say to itself, I've spent an awful long time and, and many times visiting this quiet room, this, this room that's all white, this room that has nothing in it, but because it has nothing in it, it makes my mind not have to look at anything, contemplate anything, think about anything, not listen to anything, and in, that, in its own way, there's an inner peace to that. But at some point, you are going to want to want more. And so this is about moving into second gear. And the second gear is understanding about the nervous system of your body and the techniques that we teach are very, very unique. It's that it's like acupuncture and most people even know this about HBI is that we, we literally teach points on the body, which you could call chakras, but we give a better explanation where, where people have colored it up through new age stuff and lost the complete meaning of it that affects the nervous system of the body. And so by, by placing your fingers on various spots with a certain state of breathing pattern that we teach, your mind now goes into a, another level. It's almost like the, the walls of the room begin to slowly fade. And the kind confines of the, the confines, I'm trying to trouble words with the word, the confines of the room seem to dissipate and the space becomes much wider. It's like an open field. It's like a, a, a being in the middle of a white desert sitting in the, the, the middle of it with distance opening up. And then all of a sudden you have blue skies slowly emerging, you know, your, your sensory changes and your, there's a part of you that's kind of like shocked to that in a certain way, but it still has that white room effect. It's not that you see blue skies. It's not that you see white sand. It's not that you see a, a meadow you're in. It's the sensation that, that is delicately starting to emerge through your being that's transgressing beyond just that white room, okay? And then so what happens is, is that we believe that the body begins to arc its electricity in it. And in other words, 
your hand opens and closes because of the, the nervous system of electricity from your brain stimulating the muscles to expand and, and extract. That's how your body puppeteers and moves. You control the muscles and that controls the balance of your body, the movement, reaching out for a cup. This is all electrical stimulation that is very precisionly designed and trained since you've been a kid bumping into stuff, training it in order to have that precision. Now, that same electricity when you apply it like acupressure, okay, makes it kind of arc in different patterns, different designs, if you will, an electrical mandela, if you will, or sacred geometry of electricity moving in your body when you know how to, to, to manipulate it the right way. When that manipulation happens, it maneuvers to the brain back and forth, communicating it, because we teach you to concentrate for as long as you can what it feels like just to feel that pressure because your mind wants to wander, which is what we talked about earlier. And when your mind wanders, it's like that that electrical Mandela just stops and disappears. And the second you go back and go, oh yeah, I was concentrating and you become aware of your fingers touching the particular spot, then all of a sudden it's like that Mandela begins to expand again, electricity-wise, if you will, okay? And it starts communicating back and forth with the brain. We believe that when that happens, the best way I can explain it, it's getting harder and harder with the younger generation, but I'm, I'm getting up there in age, I guess, is we would have rabbit ears on TVs in the old days. And we would, of course, the, have radios or TV signals sent. And if you couldn't get the TV picture to come in, it was staticky or kind of somewhat coming in, you'd reach over and mess with the antenna and it would come in great. And the second you let go of the antenna and walk away, it'd be so-so. And then if you were lucky, it would stay in. So so the idea is as long as you touch that antenna, the, the correct and best reception comes in for the clarity of the TV. So if we say God consciousness, the universe, the harmony, call it whatever you want, to be in tune with that by, by, by holding the sensory, being aware of it, we believe that you are tuning your electrical consciousness, your spiritual self, if you will, to be more present to receive the, the consciousness of the universe to convey with you, to communicate with you. Uh, there's an old saying that praying is talking at God and meditating is listening to God, and I've said this for years. And it's to say that nature doesn't bloom on man's accord. It blooms on its own accord with, with the harmony of, of the universe, with life, when it says, okay, this flower bud will, will now open. And this is what you're doing. You're, you're, you're now turning to this universe, to, to God consciousness, if you will. And as you do this, eventually, this is like the lotus that is in Hinduism that everybody sees, but they don't understand what it is. It's, it's like a, a satellite opening up. It's, it's when the, 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 the lotus, this huge flower, this plant, opens, it receives the consciousness into it. The, the sunlight is data. It's, it's, it's love. It's, it's these things. And so it's, it begins to accept that when it's, it's ready and it's understanding to do that. It's prepared itself. And then finally, when it says, okay, we're good to go, it just opens. That's what you're doing. So we, we teach what I consider the old knowledge, the true knowledge that goes way back, true Vedic, not, not New Age mumbo-gumbo Vedic, okay, or Hinduism or whatever, or out of these bubblegum books and stuff, okay? It's, it's to say that you're manipulating the nervous system of the body, working with your consciousness and the energy, the electricity, the real electricity. When I say energy, I'm not talking just spiritual energy. I'm talking about the, the stuff that makes your muscle twitch and your, your eye twitch and the stuff that you sometimes get a, a muscle cramp that's electricity balling up somewhere is in a muscle, okay? We're talking about manipulating that to bring you to an ethereal state of consciousness. And you're doing it through an act of, of, of self-will.
if you understand how beautiful that is. So this is, this is in part your, your process of meditating. So you're choosing now to not only relax your mind, but you're choosing to, 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 to get your energy to start harmonizing, like playing a piano by moving your, your fingers in certain spots in your body and holding the thought and the electricity moving a certain way. You're harmonizing it to adjust itself. It's like a chiropractic energy that's popping itself into place very gently by you kind of working with it and holding your thought there. And once it's all aligned, it's the next thing begins to happen. And the next stage is the energy starts moving through your body. And what 99.999% of everybody, almost in the matter of, of the first day to first few days of doing this, they'll be like, oh my God, like, you know, I kept seeing what looked like flashes of light. Like somebody was in my room turning the light switch on and off, on and off, on and off. But, but the curtains were open, sunlight was coming in, I don't understand. And when I would open my eyes to be like, what the hell's going on? It just looked like a normal room. That's energy moving in your body. It's, it's like fluttering, it's correcting itself. It's moving, it's a real thing. Other people will say, oh my God, I, I felt like I was pulsating, like the room had like a big uh, truck or something was gr just driving by, like there was dozens of them until the point where I was like, what the hell is going on? So you open your eye, there's nothing going on out there. Why would something so make my whole body shake and rumble? Um, that's energy. This is Kundalini moving up and all this stuff. I mean, people talk about Kundalini, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, this is all fuddy dud stuff. And when you hear the fuddy dud stuff, this is what you expect to happen. And when it doesn't happen, you give up on everything. You, you've got to have the correct information. And then you realize, no, you're, you're, you're applying yourself great and you're getting great results. You just need to, to understand these things. Other stuff is like you can be sitting and meditating and all of a sudden you feel like you're literally leaning two feet over to the left or to the right. And you're like, why am I like practically touching the floor with my shoulder, you know? And you open your eye and you, you instantly realize, you know, the whole time you've been perfectly straight up, but your, your energy is moving and it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a flower unfurling, you know, it's, it's orientating itself for the first time to your biological body. You're waking it up. It hasn't been awoken. So it, it moves to the left. Sometimes it moves to the right and you'll swear, you'll swear you're laying practicing the floor and you look ridiculous. And if anybody sees you that's meditating with you, they're going to go, what the heck are they doing? Laying on their, their, their shoulder to one side, like they're going to take a nap. You're not, you open your eye and you're like dumbfounded. You're, 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 you feel ridiculous you're like what well, how is that even possible because you were absolutely positive you were laying over your whole body could feel the sensation and it goes on and on and on and on and all of these are calibrations and then all of a sudden one day somebody will say well i, I haven't felt that in a long time or i haven't experienced it at that time and my answer is always good you're calibrated you're you're ready now to take it to another level do you see what I'm saying? So this then moves into another level of the meditation that starts to happen on its own accord. And you will sit and you kind of allow yourself to, to now not think about needing these little rewards because that's a calibration. You, a chiropractor can't keep adjusting your back if it's already adjusted. And so you, there may be a part of you that's craving for that adjustment. And that craving for that adjustment, ironically, keeps you from maneuvering to the next level. So you have a want or desire, this is mental, and it's holding you in a place mentally by constantly looking in a certain direction. And you don't even realize you're doing it, just like the other stuff with being mindful. So you almost have to surrender that because you, you have to let go of the, 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 the toys of your youth to become an adult. Your, your mind is maturing. And if you keep going back to the childish things, you don't really grow. Do you see what I'm saying? In certain ways. And so, 
you have to let go of wanting all these these different things happening with your energy because it's ready to progress. It's it's you mentally controlling stuff instead of letting the universe direct you. So you can't have any want or any desire. You got to let the, the universe puppeteer you now to this next level because it's beyond your understanding. But you crave it. You want it. You feel it in your heart and soul. Like, like this is the union that you've been waiting for. Like you're getting ready to, to meet God, you know, and this is what it's about. And so once you kind of get past that in your head, because this is, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. This is why we teach everything we teach. So you can go, aha, that makes sense. And you have these huge breakthroughs because it it's just was a simple thing that was said to you. And then you, you're like, I get it. Or somebody shows you a little technique that we know. And, and you're like, wow, that changed everything. So you get to this point and then, then you get back to this open feeling. And the open feeling now takes on a whole new titanic level because your energy is tuned. And you all of a sudden can can be filled with a level of logic and understanding about time space it's like you get this thirst for knowledge and it's like you, the dots start lining up your sensory begins to increase this is probably one of the the main areas that's like the the third stage i would say of, of continuously working with the meditation we have is because i believe there is a a sixth sense and it's not to say that it's esp you read minds that's that this is incorrect it is to say that you, you, your senses are increasing. Your five senses go beyond the normal extent of what they can feel or smell or taste. It's almost like you become more conscious, more, more aware, more in the moment. Everything becomes richer, like HD, especially every time you finish meditating, you'll notice that color just seems to pop more. It's very strange and sound begins to, to be crisper and it just lasts for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then as you come down from that hum, you normalize and you don't, you don't see that pop no more. Well, what happens is that the pop stays more for greater lengths of time, depending on the state of consciousness that you're able to hold in your day-to-day -day life. And it's a one that you're going to want. So the, the sixth sense I often say is the sense that was blinded by man's intellect growing. We became too consumed with our, our, this is what, what, what gurus or spiritual people would say, we become too, too absorbed in materialism. And this is not just having money, but it's about a better pair of shoes. It's about having the right kind of clothing, the right haircut you want, uh, finding the right makeup, finding the right work tools, finding the right vehicle you want to drive. It's no longer self-reflecting. It's no longer observing the harmony of the universe. It's no longer becoming one with it. And so your sense is dull. Your, your, your security to survive in life has no more sense of, of fight and flight. There's no more sense of having to be hyper aware of what's over the hill as you're walking nomadically. So, so you're, this would all be psychic senses in a way, what we call today a gut feeling, or I, I kind of knew, or, or I, I had a premonition dream about my child or, or, or my husband or my wife. And, and this is it still kicking in from the brain. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's still alive in there. It's just not exercised on a level that we're, we've, we've remained familiar with it. So it's come on to have these paranormal, weird things. There's nothing weird or paranormal about it. It's because anything we don't understand becomes scary to us. This is, this is the begin, beginning of time. It's been like that. Anytime we don't understand something, we're afraid until we get familiar with it. Then we're like, oh, that's so silly. I didn't realize. So this sense is, is a sense that's designed to connect us to the ethereal level 
it's to go beyond smell, which is one of the close ones, and sight, which is a close ethereal one. But touch is a lower one, but it's it's one that's necessary. Okay, sound is is different. It's it's so each one converts information to us, so it makes our mind understand stuff. You have to understand everything that you are, that you understand, that you feel, that you love, that brings you joy, comfort, all of these things all came from your five senses informing you of what these things were, building the design of what that experience was. Without touch, you could never know what it is to touch the, a flower or a fur of a, of a pet or a cat or, or any, and how it made you feel. How it tr how it translated in your soul, okay? Sight, you seen something beautiful. It translated something in your in your mind. It 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 metamorphosized you, okay? Music metamorphosized you. It touched your soul. But they were all mediums to give you this knowledge that became you as a whole. All of these pieces that you've collected through your life, through these five senses, is what makes you collectively a being, a a consciousness, your unique you. So when you what happens as you grow older you get less and less data because there's less and less new things to experience so you mature but your your matureness and your wisdom are based think about this off of what was available for your senses to experience your whole life if you are somewhere is out in the desert and that's where you grow up and you live and you die you could say that that there's a wisdom to you but there's a whole plethora of information. You may never have heard classical music. You never may have seen beautiful paintings, but you would have seen other stuff in that form and maybe stuff that other people couldn't have access to. But my point isn't to debate this whole part. My point is to, to say to you that you're only as intellectually evolved as what your senses allowed you to understand or expose you to. Even if it scared you or brought you joy, it still made your understanding, your mental world change, how you interact with it. So the sixth sense, because it's been uh, suppressed and made so taboo and everything, okay, is the one sense that bridges what I call the spiritual realm, the ethereal realm, the, the presence of God's soul. It's like a song that's being sung to us all day long, but we can't hear it. It's like, you know, people say, well, how is that? I said, well, there's radio going on 24-7. You can't hear it without a radio. TV signals 24-7 without it, without that. There's, there's, you know, it goes on and on and on. It's not that big of a bridge to understand that without the sixth sense, the part that you're craving, that, that you're trying to find something that's beyond touch, beyond sight, beyond smell, there's, there's something calling your soul constantly. You're trying to find not it. You're, you should be trying to find the sensory that will, will harness and interpretate it inside of your soul, just like your other five senses do. Boy, that was a long tangent, huh? Okay, um, so you're saying that what made us basically lose the sixth sense yep. was the materialism. Because well, we got... materialism was just one part. One part. There, there's never quite a simple answer, but what I do believe is, is you give a few good simple answers that people can ponder and they go, oh my God, I see now the bigger picture because it Mandela's out. My job is to keep it simple and let you kind of let it unravel on your own. You know, you kind of like, you start to put the pieces all together from there. Okay, but we are not going back. Like we are going in, in a humanity so walking away that what could we do to get the sixth sense back? Because the, 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 there's only one way you're going to get the six back. I mean, well, there, there's I mean, of course, there's a number of thoughts that go through my mind that are, are a little bit more uh, complex. But the, the, the only real way is to actively choose 
to change the direction of your life. That is to say, you sit down and you meditate, you, you learn a practice, you apply it. This is work and people will start off with good intentions, but it's very hard. And if you don't get results within a reasonable amount of time in our day and age, we lose interest very quickly. We've learned this now from TV programs, from the internet. I mean, our attention span keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller because they give us all these trained mental like excitement bits that we move on to the next thing. And now when we see terrible things, even on the news and everything, what was just five or 10 years ago, shocking. Now we just are so dismissive. So, so our mind is being shaped in mold to be disconnected. And so you have to, to stop automating in this, this, this world. You don't even realize you're automating, but you're, you're hunting and searching for stuff and information to stimulate you. And you're not even remembering the next day what it was or three days later or five days later, you've moved on to the next truffle. That, that spirituality is a, is a discipline. It is to say that, that I will force my day to stop in order to sit down and do this. And it's only through the cultivation, just like planting plants to feed you, okay? Through that cultivation, that discipline, okay? That you reap the awakening rewards of what grows then from you. And once you start to have results and you start to have these things, this is the part that encourages you to keep going. It's when you have something happen in your everyday life that's so big, it takes you off track for a few days. And then it's very hard. It's like going back to the gym or going back to any other discipline to kind of get back into that groove. Okay. But if you, if you stay there long enough, your sensory begins to awaken. You, you start then to, to, to hear the music, if you will, of a whole nother sensory and this captivates you and hopefully motivates you to continue exploring. Think about all the, if you never could see before in your entire life and you were 50 years old and then one day somebody turned the switch on and all of a sudden you could see, how long do you think that you could be so blown away with everything you see for how long? How much would it offer you? How much would it enrich in your consciousness, your personality? Same goes for music. All of a sudden, one day, you can hear everything. Birds, trees, cars driving by, lawnmower, humming of whatever, you know, the ocean. These, these, this is what it's like. So you're, you, you are now exposing yourself to a whole new consciousness. And, and to say what, what that all is or give it in a nutshell is impossible. It's like trying to explain what sight is or what smell. I mean, you can give some poetic statement to it, but it still would never do justice. I see. Okay, I kind of want to go back, mm -hmm. but talk about a new topic too. I want to talk about Akashic Records. Mm -hmm. Because first time I met you, it was the, the, my biggest question was, how do you know all of this? Yeah. What makes you special? How mm -hmm. can you access all mm -hmm. of this knowledge? Mm -hmm. And then uh, I want to go back because you said you talk about the Lotus Flower opening. And I wanted to ask if that's basically when you may be able to get knowledge. That's a correlation. Absolutely. First of all, let's let me just say something that that I've said many times before, but people don't know. That. I mean, I'm people say, oh, he's so brash and he's so cocky or arrogant or whatever. You know, it is what it is. Okay, I say let the results speak for themselves. You know, you don't have to be like me. Just this is what I have to say. Take it for whatever it is. Let it metamorphosize and be whatever you're going to become from it. I just am grateful for the opportunity to that you that somebody would would hear what I have to say and put it to to use. See if it works or not. I'll let it speak for itself. Having said that, I am a firm believer that anybody can do what I can do. It's just about learning to do it. 
I do think that there are a difference in human beings in a simple sense, I call them red cells and white cells. A red cell is somebody who has no desire, interest, or connection to any of this. And a white cell is somebody that just is continuously questioning reality itself, time, space seeking God, a connection to the universe, not that it has to have a, a religious aspect to it or a spiritual aspect, but that, that they understand that there's this, this presence of something that's beyond all of this and that they long to connect with it in a desperate way their whole life they seek it, okay? Having said that, when people use the word Akashic Records, this goes back to old school we call it and but it's something that has stayed on as a, a lingua in, in 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 what I'll call pop culture in a sense that this is goes back to Edgar Casey who was this kind of known as the sleeping prophet and he used that word and most people think it's Egyptian and in some ways I suppose it could but it it has many names there they would say well it's this big library you go to that's like this dimensional thing you walk in and it's like the the Alexandria you know with temple buildings and it's massive and you go in and it's got books up to the ceiling and that's such a human way of of looking at knowledge it's almost silly but you know for some people, for me, that's where I started. I mean, I, I imagine that probably at one time before, you know, you, you become more, more knowledgeable, more informed. And, you know, you, to, to think that knowledge would be in these books is, you know, and now, we, you know, why wouldn't she see? I mean, I imagine a young person would go to Akashic Records and they're not imagining books. They're going, I never imagined books, Eric. I was imagining CD-ROMs. And I'm like, oh, that's because you're 40. And then the other part, well, I didn't imagine CD-ROMs and I didn't imagine books. I was imagining it was all Wi-Fi and, you know, like, like, hey, you know, so this is a matter of, of, of mental perception as to how you relate the knowledge you do have, hence the reason why you want all your senses working, because it advances you. So your interpretation of knowledge is as limited as, as what you can conceive, what you've been exposed to by your senses. So in, in essence, the Akashic record is, 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 in a sense, the closest, easiest way to say for this generation is Wi-Fi. It's to say that you have millions of cells in your body, and when you have a virus, they all communicate somehow. They'll journey what would be thousands of miles for us in, at our size to go across the planet. They have to move through your body, which is hundreds of thousands of miles to them in proportion to their size. And it, it, it could be their whole life, but yet they know. There's some Wi-Fi telling the whole body how to work. There's electrical signals running great distances, which are in a blink of an eye, okay, in one way to us, that, that control your entire living universe you know, it is a cosmos. Your body is a cosmos to all these microorganisms. And in, in a sense, they are all dialed in to some degree. And it's, the, it's what we're seeking. So ones that are disconnected maybe are not doing a very good job or it's a limited job for whatever vicinity they're in. They don't need a lot of information. And then there's more complex ones. And then there's red cells and white cells where the white cells, you say that you never catch the same cold twice. So, so what they do is they have ancestral memory, which is like reincarnation if you want to look at it with a stretch, okay? Where, where they're recalling stuff that they weren't even alive to experience or have that fight or battle, but yet they know how to defeat that enemy unless it's a completely new one. So when you look on a larger scale level as humans versus this microbe, it's to me not much different. It's just, it's just hard to see that difference because we see ourselves bipedally walking around in skyscrapers. Trust me, it's, it's not that big of a leap for me. See, so having said that, as much as the body has a communal Wi-Fi with every cell in its body, 
Okay, we know the immune system increases when you're happy. We know the immune system drops when you're depressed. What is telling it all to do that to the tips of your toe, to the top of your head, okay? So are we in a living organism and there is a Wi-Fi, and that Wi-Fi is everything that has lived and died that has any kind of uh, self-reflective intelligence, if you will, okay? It's contributed its knowledge, just like everything that you are from your senses still was conveyed through a, what I'll call a machine. You have eardrums, you have taste buds, you have eye cones, and all of them are cells that made them. And if you were to zoom in onto those and seen all those little individual cells, they all lived and died, and their, their next generation lived and died, next generation lived and died, all gathering, as serving their life and their soul to give you one collective knowledge as, as a singular being. You're made out of trillions of living beings, if you want to really think about it. So I see the planet in the same way, it's just on a bigger scale, smaller, larger, 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 larger. Just what, what sliver do you look at? Do you look at the entire solar system? You wouldn't be able to see the human race. We would be like microbes. If you zoom in, we're this marching around species and we can relate to that. You zoom into one of our bodies, now it's all super microbes. You can't even relate to the body outside of it. So there is a level of Wi-Fi, which is a collective knowledge that is in a sense, not a uh, 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 computer programmed in a language we can re-access on, on, on our level. We have a limited access to it. So when you go into a deep state of mind and you start to get this, this information, it's like your brain starts to translate pieces of it so that, that all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I understand this or that, or I get this, or I see this in my mind, or it seems like I, I just intuitively get it. That is you tuning into, or in old school language, going into the Akashic records. Your mind is really dialing into the static uh, Wi-Fi, if you will, and it's, it's retrieving or translating reverse engineering, okay, information for you to understand. Okay, so how would you tell somebody to start dialing on that shit. Well, I think sometimes people do it by accident. Sometimes people that are creative will, will find little inlets to do it. But the best way to get the most abundant amount at will, rather than accidentally or not aware that you're kind of doing it, is to start off by meditating. If the mind is not silent, the first thing to, to preventing this kind of uh, knowledge to be experienced or entering that is to, to, your mind is designed to prevent you from connecting. Everything that, that our mind has gotten busy, think about it this way, and this is getting more and more complex, but it's very good questions. And, and to me, I mean, this is the stuff I've been doing for 30, 40 years now, but the, the, the point is, is that you have to look at your human brain and see all that chitter chatter and all the stuff you do with life and, and how you always got something to do and there's always something like you have to strive for something more or you're not good enough or you have to make more money or you have to do this. These are the things that occupy our mind. If you go back a thousand years, okay, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, you get to the point where people had less, 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 and less. And you look at the impoverished people who at least had food, but not too much more, and you will see the greatest level of spiritual experiences, paranormal phenomena, um, 
self-reflection and this this ability to to let their mind expand not that the whole mass of people but a, a greater abundance the greatest knowledge spiritually came from these time periods because they had less thing less things occupying their day-to-day -day life now you speed up to modern times okay our mind and our day and our life whether you want it or not is consistently uh, intruded upon with all of these mental demands even when we think there's not stuff there is stuff that is pulling and vying for our attention and so therefore you can never stop and experience the universe which aka on a smaller level the first step to that universe is connecting with akashic records if you will with that wi-fi this this universal energy uh, if you will okay so the only way to do that is to go back to your discipline find a technique to shut everything down get good at it okay put it into a rhythm in your life and then all of a sudden that blossoming that lotus opens up and all of a sudden your mind starts to get all these things that i'm talking about and to be able to, to experience these things Awesome. Can you explain the connection between the planet being alive and we are not being able to do whatever we want with our minds because the planet blocks it somehow? Or how would you explain how the Gaia mind mm -hmm. has its own wills and right. wants you to do certain things? Right while a, a white cell wants to do other things and it well let's 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 back up this mm -hmm. this is stuff that spiritual people have explained and re-explained for eons and this is where you know i don't think that a lot of this information is necessarily new information i think the the key to understanding is that as each generation changes and becomes more articulated and, and doubts certain things and, and becomes more scientific, more logical, and I love science, that's why I, I am the person I am and stuff, is that you've got to find somebody that can talk the language for, for where your generation is or what you can, you can approach and understand. And so that's the one thing I, I want to put out there, that I think that the whole idea of the Gaia mind, if you will, or that the planet is a living thing. I mean, that's been around a long time. And that the human race, I've been saying at least for, for probably since my early 20s, and I've written about it and, and been on audio that's still floating around, that um, the planet is a living organism and the human race is the microorganisms and all life is the microorganisms to this living planet floating in space. So to put it into better perspective in a in a more current culture more knowledgeable i mean people are just simply have information at their fingertips now so our minds are really evolving in different ways and it's very important that we have a way to relate to these things or they become non-existent there's no value to it and if you miss that you miss the boat so us there's there is to say that, look at the human body. The red cells have a job. That job is to basically carry minerals, move oxygen, heal your scratches by repairing the cellular structure, and so on and so forth. White cells, and this is very simple, doesn't mean it has to be exact, it's just to give you guys working models. White cells have a very different thing. As soon as there is a virus in your body and it's detected, the, the whole body is alarmed through this kind of different level of Wi-Fi. The red cells aren't really aware of it. It's not something they can even hear. But the white cells all of a sudden hear something, let's say in their mind telepathically, and they know they need to start marching off to do something. Okay? So their relationship with the ecosystem of the human universe, if you will, 
is is different, but yet it's similar. They look maybe similar. They function in the same space. They coexist. Sometimes they don't. There's all sorts of, you know, we can get into all medical other problems. But the, the point is, is that because the planet is a living organism and, and it about us connecting with it or not connecting with it, I think it's the same problem that happens with the human body. I think most of the body doesn't communicate with you. You know, you, you have very short relationships like, oh my God, I got the cramps or oh my, you know, I ate something wrong. But you're not really thinking, okay, hey liver, you know, let's, let's work this little thing here out right now and let's tweak it up a little bit and oh kidneys, let's lower your production down a little bit. They all kind of have their own interverse and they have their own communication, but somewhere in the back of your mind, there's something communicating with all that. And they're all, and they're not conscious of it, they're just doing. Just like, we're, we're just doing. But yet, there's something telling them what to do. There's, there's a harmonizing going on to a certain degree. And when something's out of harmony, we say we're sick, we're ill, it's achy, it's blah, blah, blah. Or it goes on and on to immune system problems and cancer and to everything else. Well, I see the, the planet having, in a sense, cancers in certain regions, different kind of ailments, different, different problems. And this is, this is an ever-changing thing. I mean, sometimes you can feel 100% well. That doesn't mean there's not an illness or a battle going on in your body. You're just not really aware that that's happening. So, so it's, it's complex. So uh, to say that when one becomes very spiritual, it's to say that one becomes like a white cell in the body, you're, you're dialing into this other wavelength of information that is going on and you're taking it to the next level because not only are you feeling it, but you're conveying, you're communicating with it to a, to a degree. And so it's, it's listening, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? You want me to fight this virus or do you want me to go up to the south pole of the brain or the shoulder? Or So there, there's a higher level of understanding. Okay, so I have a question about mm -hmm. that. We, uh, as HBI um, participants, students, I feel like you are training us mm -hmm. for something. You are, you teach us all of those techniques. You talk about all of, all of this training we gotta get good at. And when you talk about the correlation between the Gaia mind and the body and the work that the white cells do for the body, what is the work that we are doing or will be doing for the Gaia mind? Well, listen, you know, I've been at this for 30 years and somebody could say, well, come on, when's the time up? When do we do what we got to do? You don't, you know, my, my first answer is, is, is that you don't tell the universe what the time schedule is. You get what I'm saying? You don't tell the planet what the time schedule is. Okay. I think that that there are uh, levels to the relationship and the function we have with what we do in our role as white cells. Uh, there is a incredibly strong sense or urgency to, I don't wanna say fight or do battle, but we know that there is a, a oppressive energy, if you will, okay, darkness, if you will, that in a sense needs to be countered. It needs to, to at least be opposed Okay, and that in a sense that white cells are, and this is why I've always said white cells, is that we are in the sense appointed to, to be the representation for the body inside of it to, to at least uh, prevent this, this virus, this darkness, these, these things, okay? And so the real question then becomes there is a level of, of individual levels and then there are levels that I call collective levels. So a white cell can fight with a virus on its own and 
a white cell will also recognize a problem and and require and summing I you know interestingly more white cells before it even makes a move to attack it like it just waits it's like okay I'm not gonna mess with this until my, my buddies show up okay so it's already it's, I mean it's just amazing when you really think about it on a micro level it's astonishing so in in the same way I think that that my job is to teach people the skills my job is to teach people the skills it's then my job to help them dial in, but I can't force them to go out and fight the good battles. That has to be something that becomes a choice. It's something that they have to sense and look for. There are in HBI what we call jump groups, and these jump groups basically get together. They choose targets that they think are problem locations in the world or, or just really illnesses or whatever, and they very meticulously work on different skills in the group because everybody kind of has a, a different skill set, and they plan out what they're going to, to do, and they go there and they use their consciousness to, to affect the consciousness of people that are in that particular space doing what we would consider awful things in order to change, deflect, or promote something that's positive even. And the results have been phenomenal, okay? But um, on a personal level, it's to say, do you see wrongdoing to someone in your, in your life? In a practical level, let's say you know of a, of a, of a, a couple where they're, the, the person's in an abusive relationship and they can't get out of it. You have the ability to change that person's life whether you realize it or not. You can manipulate the energy through the teachings to understand it and approach it in your mind and literally what we call cut the cords, you know, re remove the, the abusive nature in someone or at least minimize it. Uh, strengthen the other person to feel like they have the confidence to, to get away and to also help with the outcome of where, where they would go to be beneficial. Like, the, like this, there's an old saying that the, the cards all fall in the right place. You know, like it all just came together. It was like, it was magical, okay? No magic. This is, this is, this is something else going on. That's why you feel that. You see what I'm saying? You just don't have anything in your, your, your uh, articulation to explain how it took place where, where we do. And so this is doing it on a more personal level. But you, as a, as a person that's a student, have to realize that as you develop your skills that you could do this. The real problem becomes in the, the difference between right and wrong. What one person says, you, you shouldn't interfere and do something because it's, it's wrong that because you think your version of right and wrong is better than theirs. And, you know, this becomes something that you have to weigh out on an individual basis. And this gets into a problem. And I teach about all this. And I try to make people mindful and aware of this, that if you are romantically interested in somebody, you could really make some bad decisions because biologically you're, you're wanting to, to achieve something. So, you know, I, I try to install a sense of, 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 of asking yourself inner questions about what's truly right or wrong or what is your true motivation. But if, if I didn't teach people to develop these skills or abilities based on the fear that they're going to do something wrong, then I, there would be no point to teaching. On the same token, I have to believe right or wrong that, that I have to believe in the goodness of humanity and that in the end, the majority will be good that they do, that they too will mature and, and grow. So, you know, the, the importance is very multi-leveled and there are viruses in the world, there's darkness in the world. 
and there is darkness that is on a level that is just gone berserk. You could bring up stuff like what's happening in Syria, what's relevant right now to back to Nazism and, and what happened then to, to um, you know, uh, everything from apartheid to you name it, you know. But the question is, is that did other forces intercept that just were not on a physical level? And I often try to teach students of mine to think differently in their tactical skills. You don't try to quell a, a war. You, if you are aware of the, of the players, that's who you, you focus and concentrate your energy on to change their minds and what they're doing, or even more so in other things. Very interesting, awesome. <laughs> I, I just want to point one thing out, though, with, with the whole thing is that that is something when you've become skilled enough and confident enough, that is a is an interesting choice because I find that a lot of people choose to do nothing. They they have the skills and they, they're more interested in, in in garnering more information for themselves and more more knowledge, more skills, more abilities, me, 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 me kind of stuff, rather than than giving to the whole of society with the skills that they've developed. And to give to other people, I find in human nature, sometimes is a very hard thing to do and it comes from a very genuine place. And not everybody is is really designed to do that. And so it's it's interesting. Yeah, exactly, because that, that's what I wanted to touch on. About all, most of the spiritual people that we hear about, they usually exclude themselves. They are only surrounded by other spiritual people, let's say monks. And um, the role that you're teaching us as spiritual people to fill in is actually completely different. You want us to actively Yes, I think that that is our job. It's and and there is different kinds of spiritual people. There are people who who want to extract themselves from what we'll consider the the noise and haste of life, and by extracting themselves, they want to find this inner harmony to find the peace and love. And so they, you know, they'll they'll create centers, you know, where where that's where they just stay. They do their prayers, they connect to God. And that's again like what I call body worship, but it's a different version. Now it's it's about them isolating themselves and they do a minimal amount of work and sometimes great work. I don't want to pass judgment in the wrong thing, but the, where people will come to them and they'll help them, okay? But I am not of that cloth. I'm not cut of that cloth. I am, I hate to say in a sense, I see myself as a warrior, but in a, in a good way, I feel that I need to actively involve myself or, or get into the line of, of battle, if you will. And I too yearn for peace and inner harmony and inner balance. And perhaps one day when I'm done teaching and I've laid left knowledge down for, for the people who will precede me and hopefully go beyond me, okay, skill-wise, that that I too can maybe retreat back to an inner peace level. But right now, that's not my job. My job is to be out there and take the heat, which I do, take the negativity, which I do, take the, the haters, which I do, deal with the fake news on me, which I do, and, and still try to continue doing what I'm doing and teach. And so um, that is a, a choice. And I think there are some people who withdraw and there are some people who feel uh, really this strong urgency to, to put themselves in line of battle. And I would say like white cells, if all white cells choose inner harmony and non-conflict, then what would happen to the human body? You wouldn't exist. The white cells march into battle 
and they do what they have to do for the whole of the universe, for the whole and goodness of the body. That if something is in there destructing and, and destroying the harmony of the body, it needs to figure out that it's doing the right thing. Now, in the same token, the white cells in your body also contribute to allergies, misconception, and of course, autoimmune diseases and stuff where they're confused. This gets into that whole debate whether people are doing the right thing or the wrong thing with their abilities based on what their education and opinion is. And this is where I, I say you have to move with caution and think things out. Uh, debate them with other white cells and, and hash it all out. There's sometimes conflicts on different jumps, you know, where, where people have very strong opinions, and I encourage that kind of debate. Um, so I think that um, there are different kinds of spiritual people, and I, I respect and, and love them all. There's a part of me that has a frustration when they, they extract themselves from, from life, and then there's another part of me that understands that that's something that they need to, to do. My hope is is that they don't choose to remain there. I hope that they they um, evolve themselves spiritually through that time alone, through that practice, and reinsert themselves into to the world, which is what we really is the the goal, and to to bring that strength and that harmony and that balance, that power of balance, into whatever globe or sphere of life that they've walked into. And I think there are spiritual people who definitely do that. And I think there are a lot of other spiritual people who don't. I also think that there are a lot of selfish spiritual people. I think that there are extremely arrogant spiritual people. I think the people who shout the most that, that you know, about other people from their spiritual groups, it's still no different than, than religion that they cast stones at. They say, well, this religion's bad because they say they're better than the other religions, and then I'm like, well, what are you, what are you doing with these other things? But there's a level of truth to it also, you know, and I, I guess in a way that I'm engaging in that now too, but the point is, is that I think that there are spiritual teachers who gather people around them for the sake of power. and there are other spiritual people who teach so that those people can become powerful and useful to to the world i would hope that i am of the later and i think that when you don't look at yourself anymore and check yourself that you've lost that and so i, I like to check myself every so often and say where what are you doing where are you up to what is your your intentions um but uh yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of these taboo things where you're not really allowed to to slam on other spiritual organizations. You know what I'm saying? And so it's it's like just one of those things you don't you don't want to do. The 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 reverb on that is for them then to hate on you or find something to hate. And uh, so my position is is everybody just needs to feel out their own path. And if it's right for you, you'll you'll take interest. And if it's not, you'll move on to the next thing. But don't don't do no hating in between. Good, awesome. And then I actually that this that you just explained it falls into my next question. It's not really a, a question. Just need to talk a little bit of how you don't fall in into the calm, cool, and collected teacher, <laughs> teacher, and that I think that has to do with the misconceptions, for example, that meditation is only for relaxation. I think, oh, if you meditate a lot, why aren't you always calm? Because I'm not always calm. That's why I meditate. <laughs> That's why I, why I have to meditate. I'm an extreme person. Uh, if, if relaxation came to me naturally, I probably wouldn't need to be so concerned whether I, I need to meditate or not. Um, 
I um, I call myself a, a modern spiritual person. And let me put this in a different perspective. We have models of what we think a spiritual master should be. It should be this guy in white robes or a lady in white robes. Uh, it should be, you know, somebody who's got a bald head and is walking around and looks maybe a little bit like Gandhi or something, okay? These are, these are things in our head, okay, that, that this person should always be speaking softly and using the words like the source and energy and healing and loving. I don't, I don't begrudge any of that. And I get all that. And if anybody wants to check my love meter and compare it to anybody else's love meter, my love meter will kick your ass because it's a lot of love, okay? But I think that um, I am from a generation that really didn't have uh, this old school kind of guru kind of introduction. I mean, the last of it we really mainly seen is still back in the 60s. You have a, an ideal of what should be peaceful and what should be calm, and I think there are plenty of those kind of teachers. Um, and you can find them, and I have a, a great deal of respect for people like that. I'm from a, I'm a 70s generation, 80s generation and this is when you just started having computers coming out and, and the world was getting a little bit more hustly and bustly in, in new ways and, and stuff like that. And uh, we had, of course, more levels of fast food. You know, cable started coming into homes and, you know, more, more data, more data, more information. Um, I am American. I am not from a foreign country. I have not learned the etiquette and culture of being indoctrinated in some other culture. And it's not to say that's the whole of it, okay? It's to say that I'm my own unique person and not everybody's going to be attracted to how I teach and, and what I convey. And there are other people who have been searching their whole life who cannot connect at all with someone that would be a Gandhi-ish style teacher. And hence, this is why I have the amount of students I have. And I think it's wrong to make the assumption that if I don't fit a certain bill, that I can't be a certain way. And I would say to you, well, that's what they said all about all the greatest people in life, no matter what field they were in. And I feel the same applies to me. And I've achieved what I achieved despite what everybody has said. And you know, I'll, I'll let the record speak for itself as far as the, the books and material and, and the, I think we have more spiritual uh, breakthroughs than any other organization out there combined. Um, that's a bold, cocky, arrogant statement, but you know, if, if, you know, if you say it, you better back it up, I back it up, here it is. Um, having said that, uh, uh, I think that um, you know, I'm not going to make apologies. I think that if you're ready for a peaceful, more relaxed kind of person, then you should go that way. My students are, are warriors, and they, they want to be in the middle of where they are most needed. They are not seeking escape or solitude or comfort in that way. Although we want comfort, we want peace, but like a, a true spiritual person, we will get on one knee, move our mind into a meditative state, call it samurai style, I don't know what, but there are different kinds of inner peace, but in the end, at the core of it, they are inner peace. And those are the people that I'm meant to, to teach. I'm meant to, to help get to where they need to be. That's how I feel. Um, 
I am a risk taker in the sense of the spiritual, spiritual exploration. I'm very much about science. I love science. I attract a lot of people who are in the science community. They want to have, give me a good answer. Just don't tell me to believe this or that. You know, show me this, show me that. You know, and and let me experience it for myself. This is what I do, and so I attract those kind of people. People who I think want to find their inner spiritual faith and somehow have, have lost it because the answers are just too vague, uh, much like religion. It's, people have outgrown it. They're too smart. And I think the New Age movement, people are getting too smart. Well, well, it's not to say that there's not a truth behind spirituality. It's all in the, the, the way it's conveyed, which I said in the very beginning. It's, it's being able to reach those, those people. So when you, people talk about my strong, vibrant personality, let me, let me explain something. Is that the newer generations are fighting uh, to find their spirituality. And as I said before, the world is filled with pulling them in every direction. And in marketing, you know, the idea is to clang everything, bang everything, because you are one drum player or one flute player or one trombone player in a ticker taper, massive Macy parade of people all fighting instrumentally and bound wise and costume wise to get your attention as you stand on the sideline. How do you know who is worth anything? Okay. Well, all of those things are movies. Uh, life stuff, hot cars, money, jewelry, successful life, uh, power, blah, 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 self-esteem, everything, okay? And when you could say that some people are spiritual teachers, some people can find that. They can find that right spiritual. But other people need somebody that, that, that pulls the plug on the whole concert thing, plugs in his own, says, eh, tap, tap, hello, my name's Eric Pepin, you shitheads, and you better listen up. Okay, you're all in a dream. Uh, that 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 is a different way of awakening people, and it's just as viable. It's just a sphere. It it's just intense for some people that are are different, but to other people, it's not intense at all. It's passionate. It's fucking passion, and it's it's what speaks to their soul. It's it's like nothing was able to give me CPR and recitate until Eric Pepin. He didn't even bang on my chest. That fucker was jumping up and down on it. And finally, I came to and I, I was able to hear what he said and it made me feel alive. This is the kind of teacher that I am and I curse and I swear, but does that really mean that I'm like bad? Am I like what, what, like, you know, like the devil or something? I mean, we are much more mature now. We, we, you know, we, the people from, from different generations, or di they're changing now too, and a lot of them are still uh, more progressive, but th these are all ideals that we are forced to fit in, and I refuse to fit in any of those. I am loud, I am, in a sense, you know, just in your face, I'm bold, but I keep your attention. I teach the unteachable. I teach the, the highly intelligent, sophisticated person that just will not listen to anybody else because they know it all. And then I come along and they're like, shit, you just ripped my shit apart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I get it now. Um, you know, it's not to say I'm not right for everybody. And I'm not interested in those other people. I'm interested in people that, that, that can handle my, my vinegar and hot sauce personality because in the end, uh, I, I think that I'll deliver and I'm the, way, the right person to help them get there. 
And and I, I don't need to even, you know, I mean, the people in this room, people around me, they could see that, you know, the, by the, the, the results we get every day from people calling in and stuff. So it's, you know, it's test and proven, but I, I do not think that I need to be a certain kind of teacher. Now, now let me just straighten something out. Does that not mean that I don't want to be more uh, compassionate and, well, not that I'm not compassionate, but more serene, more peaceful? Um, sure, and there's times where, where I am, you know, but there's times that I'm, I'm not. And in those times that I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm really, really trying to, to get some really complex thoughts and ideas out of my head and find a way to articulate them while like everybody else I'm dealing with all the, the insanity of dealing with life and I'm stopping all of that just to talk to them. And so it, it is what it, what it is and uh, I think there's plenty of other serene teachers. There are a dime a dozen with, with all due you know, sincerity, okay, you can find them all, but you're not going to find too many like me. No, definitely not. And if you think about all the breakthroughs we are going through right now as like spirituality meets technology i think that's yeah. you I, yeah. I can we find anybody else that talks about that I, well I you don't know that until you listen to me and then you go wow i didn't know this about him i didn't know that about him oh he's into quantum physics oh my god he made me understand quantum physics in just 10 words you know and i do you know and uh i'm proud of that and some people say oh he's so arrogant no i'm i'm just confident what is wrong with being confident it's like saying to you you know do you think you can drive around there and take a left turn and a right turn to heading over to the mall yeah no problem oh you're cocky you know oh it'd probably only take me two minutes you don't think it's going to take you ten no two minutes the hell's the matter with you oh you're cocky i mean i'm i'm making it you know a thing out of it but this is how i teach even like i'm doing now but it the point is is there's other ways to reach people and it doesn't always have to be systematically cookie cutter the same way. Awesome. I think we should wrap it up. All right. It's a wrap. Yes. All right. You, this was awesome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Magnetic pill, specially formulated for advancing meditators by advanced meditators. Designed by the rebel guru himself, Eric Pepin, magnetic pill was made to enhance results with all higher balance training accelerate sensory development, achieve deeper meditations, better overall focus, and so much more. Go to magneticpill.com forward slash rebel for $10 off every month or get a three month supply with our buy two, get one free special. Order now and we'll include a free guide listing three techniques you can start doing right away to hone your psychic mind. We'll also include a guided manifestation exercise led by Eric Pepin digitally, also free of charge. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass 
of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. It was at that moment I began to awaken, knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing somewhere in between I flew higher balance we think outside of the box a new kind of spirituality a new kind of meditation a revolution in consciousness Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.